0: Welcome to the Start Your Journey podcast, helping Atlantic Canadian student-athletes navigate the NCAA recruiting process. Each episode, you can eavesdrop on conversations with NCAA student-athletes, past and present, coaches, parents, and learn about the latest tools to boost your chances of getting discovered. Here's your host, former pro hockey player, digital marketing entrepreneur, and green smoothie drinker, Chris Nadeau. But before we get started, here are our friends' Pearl Jam. Welcome to the podcast today, everyone. I am super pumped about today's podcast. Today's guest is Matt Forgie, who is a strength coach, chiropractor, and gym owner, who has worked with a number of the top athletes from Southern New Brunswick. With Matt, it is all about mindset and finding ways for athletes to reach their top capacity for their sport. Back in the day when I was a young athlete, I learned the importance of training and how it really could give you not only a physical advantage, but a mental advantage over your competitors. When I met Matt a couple years ago while helping my son get through an injury, then helping him with his strength and conditioning, I knew I had to get him on the podcast. I am excited to introduce him to you and have him talk about how great athletes train with him so parents or young athletes can apply it to their routine. And with that guys, let's go ahead and learn how great athletes train with Matt Forge.
1: All right. So if I were to go to a restaurant, I mean, like right now, especially in the Maritimes, if there's uh, mussels or oysters on the uh, app, I'm going to have those. And then yeah. I'm always going to go for steak and fries and a salad. And that that's pretty much it. That's my go-to.
0: So you like the mussels. Tell me why, like what? what's with the seafood and the steak? Are you a big protein guy or what? Why, uh, no, flavors? I just,
1: I, I, I don't really eat a lot of seafood, but when there is mussels or oysters, I will eat those. I used to, serve at a restaurant that had unlimited um, uh, mussels so I kind of got the taste for them so I I just I really enjoy the taste of mussels and then I I, you know like steak is just a comfort food for me and Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the healthiest meal in the world, but it's an (laughs) enjoyable meal for me.
0: (laughs) Love it. So do you have a restaurant that you prefer to order from that offer the steak and mussels and seafood? Or is that every restaurant you go to?
1: Pretty much every restaurant I go to, I'll look for that. And then, um, I mean, East Coast Bistro in St. John is a fantastic restaurant to get that food. I really enjoy it there. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, you and I would uh, enjoy a meal together because those are the things I'd love to order as well, too. Yeah, so uh, good stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other thing that I wanted to chat with you a little bit about Matt is kind of walk me through, um, you know, how, how did Matt Forgey end up becoming a strength coach? Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about what it is and why it enticed you to go that route and how you're helping others.
1: Sure. So I guess it started way back when I was maybe uh, six or seven years old and I started playing tennis and I, I think I started playing tennis competitively at a very young age and I didn't really get into hockey until grade nine. So you can imagine I kind of missed a lot of the development for hockey players. I, right now I still play hockey and, and, and golf and I do a lot of jujitsu and soccer, but tennis was kind of where I started. <clears throat> I played a little bit of rugby at Mount Allison University for two years. And then, you know, I, I started getting into this idea of, of uh, after doing a couple degrees, I did a degree at Mount Allison University in chemistry. Uh, I did a degree in biology at Dalhousie. And then I decided I I wanted to get involved working with people. And um, during that time, like I, I, I was a ski instructor at Pulley Mountain, a local ski hill. And I really enjoyed coaching people in that manner. So... The next thing I know, I enlisted into Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College. I did my four years there. While I was doing that, I started really pushing toward the side of exercise as a treatment. And uh, that's when I started starting to become a strength coach. And then I, I passed my strength and conditioning specialist test in 2010. And then I guess from there, I just started working with athletes and I started to recognize that this is something that I really enjoyed to do. And The next thing I knew, my treatment room became a gym. And then my treatment room turned into a 4,000 square foot gym that I built. And that was built in 2016. So that's where I'm now. Yeah, that's
0: kind of how it all came together. So you kind of touched on a little bit there, Matt. Like um, I and I'm kind of assuming this, but I think this is what you believe. I think you're you're a big believer in that um, exercise is almost like medicine or it's a way for uh preventing things that may happen in the future am i saying that correct
1: or yeah i mean i think i think one of the things that i try to to tell patients and athletes is that you got to move you know that that the most important thing is movement i think the idea that exercise and loading will prevent injury is kind of for the most part i don't know how true that statement is because you can't really predict a fall you can't predict those things but if you create durability through movement you're going to have a better chance of managing the stressors and maybe that's enough to help you from preventing to like you know rolling an ankle or or irritating a knee or a hip so I, I think that is a it's a it's a very large question and you can get we could dive into a lot of different things but for the most part i i'm really the kind of guy that thinks that the only person who's going to make someone better is themselves you know yeah. i'm really there just to direct and coach
0: love it um, so, so let's say, uh, you know, well, actually we have, I have a son that's, you know, gone to your gym and has worked mm-hmm. with you and your, mm-hmm. you know, other team members that you have working there at your gym. Mm-hmm. But what, what do you look at? Like, it's a, it's a big question that I've always struggled with, with, uh, you know, and I have another, uh, child, a daughter who's a bit younger, but w- what do you think for athletes, when should they start thinking about, training or i don't know if that's the right word or start thinking about doing some stuff away from the sport that they're involved
1: in or sports it's it's interesting because it kind of reflects on a lot of the way that our our school system and stuff is evolving right now and it seems to be evolving unfortunately in the wrong direction you know you go to middle schools now and you don't really see monkey bars there anymore you don't see climbing apparatuses so they're they're missing a lot of the stuff that you and i would have grown up just doing intuitively so i i actually have started getting I have a three, I have a four-year-old, a six-year-old, a 16-month-old and my, my four-year-old and six-year-old have been going to my gym since it's been going. So they've been experiencing movement and crawling and jumping and, and playing and, and stuff like that in the gym since they were around three. So it's not that I'm, I'm putting weight on them. I'm just getting them used to the idea that coming to, to a facility where they're separate from their sport or their skill and they're learning to move just as a, I guess as a human without balls and obstacles in front of them, I think yeah. it starts to encourage the idea that this is something that they should be doing as they pursue their career or pursue their movement goals. Yeah. Okay. So, so I have, I, I think, and if you take a look at the literature uh, when children develop, they have these windows when they're, when they can work on learning to be fast, where they can learn to, to start to develop the idea of getting strong. And, it, and sometimes what they say, see is that, if you don't capture that time when they're developing, sometimes you miss out on it because at those times, that's when their hormone levels are, are essentially like they're taking steroids. They're, they're full of growth hormone and they're full of testosterone. So it's a really great opportunity to teach them how to get strong. And so they start to develop the, the idea or the, the way to start to move and, and be strong at a young age.
0: Okay, so like, can you give an example? I mean, it doesn't have to be like right on the age, but is there like a kind of like a general guideline? Like, so for example, when you're like your kid's age, should they be just basic movement when they get to like 10 and 12? Is it like more strength or what do you have? Yeah, any? Yeah, I mean, what
1: you can, essentially right now, like between the ages of I think three to eight to nine, it's yeah. basic movement, it's having fun, it's jumping, moving left to right learning to to do the movements that we're going to want them to do when they get a little bit older, like 10, 11, 12. Yeah. So I think like between the ages of like three to eight, it's just encourage movement, encourage play and and teach them how to to sprint and run and grab and catch and throw and kick and, and be an athlete. And uh, I, I think once you get around the 10 to 11 year old age, that's when kids start making teams where they're, they're going places and they're starting to manage a lot more stress I think that's when when the idea of starting to understand how a a training model fits into that becomes very helpful.
0: Okay. So on that note, so you've talked about, you know, athletes kind of making teams as they're moving along in their age and, you know, they could be playing multiple sports like a lot of uh, kids do these days. Well, I Mm -hmm. shouldn't say a lot of kids, but some are specializing more, but. Mm-hmm. When, like uh, when they become in that uh, whether it's a they decide to maybe become an elite athlete when they're 12 or maybe when they're 15 or 16, mm-hmm. what do you think a weekly schedule could look like for them? Because I know if I use my my son's uh, training as an example, he's on the tennis court a lot so it doesn't leave a lot of yeah. room for other things. but I'd like mm-hmm. to hear and get your take on what sure. these athletes should be doing.
1: So it's it's interesting, right? I mean, tennis is an interesting sport because depending on the climate that you live in and the facilities you have, you may be playing tennis all year round. So it becomes hard for you to create an off-season. You know, if you talk to a lot of professional athletes, it, hockey players is a good example. A lot of the professional athletes like, once springtime came, they, they just stopped playing hockey and they got off the ice and they, they did other things. So when it comes to young people, I think the, the same thing is true. They they really do need to learn that rest and sleeping and eating well and all those other things are just as important as the skill development mm-hmm. and as, as spending time in the gym in the off-season. Because in the in-season, it's really hard for someone to go and, and bounce around on a tennis court or get banged around on the boards and then be told, okay, now, you know, you're going to go to the gym and you're going to work your butt off again. And then you're going to do it again on the ice or the court. And you're never really going to have a break. It just, that just doesn't work for anyone. And you, you just don't want to have that wear and tear on, on anyone at any age. So, you know, I think in season, I don't think people should be really doing much more lifting than once or twice a week in a, in a gym. Yeah. And then out of season, depending on their training age, right? So if they're very young, they, may, they could potentially be able to, to train four days a week, right? Not, not every day is going to be the same thing. Maybe one day we're going to be working on speed. And then the other days, maybe we're doing mobility. And then maybe two, two days we're doing strength training. So it's just trying to teach athletes how, depending on your stressors, it's going to depend on how much time we're going to spend in the gym.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we kind of, it took us a while to figure out tennis as, you know, I'm a hockey guy, but I realized tennis, there wasn't really many blocks for training until this year. We kind of figured out that, you know, we got to make, we got to make a real, you know, push to kind of find times to, to lay, you know, lay down some foundation so Kate can actually step away from the courts and just train or do some other things. So uh,
1: it's really important. Yeah, I can't stress it enough. I, and, you know, I think it's it's really hard when sometimes you don't have coaches that understand how, where it fits in, you know. Yeah. And so, as a strength coach, you know, I'm biased. I'm like, oh, you got to spend time in the gym. I want you to build up your your capacity to to be faster, to rebound, to 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 deaccelerate, and then to move in another direction. Like I can, you know, and we can help with that. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they, they, they're just spending too much time on the court. And then they don't really have the effort or the ability to do it with me.
0: Uh, so, you know, obviously working with younger athletes, um, what do you see as, uh, you know, hurdles with working with younger athletes today
1: as a strength coach? As a strength coach, working with younger athletes, I think one of the, the biggest hurdles is, is time availability with them. I think yeah. we have. I think there's there's just this. A lot of the kids that are are um, at a high skill set. Those are the parents that are going to be the that that are going to want to look look for strength and conditioning. And mm-hmm. I think what's I think what's really neat is that I, I, I kind of want to have all the kids coming in so that we can get all the kids building up their capacity, and then the ones that are that have this this next level skill set you know, they, they're the ones that I think sometimes the parents and the athletes are like, oh, yeah, but I want to be stick handling or, or, you know, I want to be working on my forearm, my forehand or my backhand, or I want to be, you know, shooting hoops. And like, you know, I understand that, but here's your time to to cheat the system. You get this, these windows of opportunity to train and your competitors that didn't train during this time, you're going to have an advantage over them. and And it's hard to try to get that, through to the coaches and to the parents.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you just hit the nail on the head, like the advantage there. Like if I can go back to when I was playing hockey and kind of the age at some of these kids now, you know, going up through high school and everything, I mean, training wasn't – it was just kind of starting. Like I I would – like I was 15 and I, my coach said, you guys need to get stronger if you want to go to that next level. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll go buy the, the latest Mr. Olympia uh, mm-hmm. magazine and yeah. uh, look at a workout in there. But what I realized was that exactly what you said was it's an advantage and not everybody is committed or disciplined to do it and it does give mm-hmm. you that little edge. And mm-hmm. with the way you guys can – You know, specialize on training now for sports and everything. I think athletes are crazy to not be
1: doing this more often than than not. Yeah, and you know, you know the the individual that's uh, that's responsible for instilling this mindset is is the coach. You know, yeah, the coach it, it has to come from the coach because if the coach isn't, you know, like explaining this to the kids, it's hard for me to come in and say, "Hey, you need to do this stuff." Well, you know, I'm not hearing it from anyone else, so I don't know. I don't know if I have time for it.
0: Yeah, so on that note, like I know coaches are a big part of it. How do you see parents potentially guiding young athletes? Because I think parents can be more of a solution than just relying on the coach because parents are with them all the time, right? So is there anything there that you think can happen?
1: Yeah, you know, I think think it's kind of funny, eh? You know, I I was thinking about some of the questions you gave me and one of them kind of alluded to this. And I sometimes think parents need to step away, you know? I think that sometimes if they have... If they have confidence in the coach and they hear that the coach are saying the things they want to hear, then it's probably best coming from the coach. You know, yeah. like I, I much I'm a ski instructor, and I much rather a ski instructor take, teach my son and daughter how to ski than me because I know that they're going to listen to them better. You yeah. know, they're you know, and so sometimes when the parents get involved, there's there's sometimes a little bit of like, well, this is what I think and 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 the such. But I, yeah. I don't know. I think I think the parent involvement. The parents should know when they see a gap. So maybe the parents should understand like, okay, here's kind of what my child should be exposed to. And I'm noticing that there's gaps here. So now what I got to do is I got to find someone to fill those gaps for me. Um, And and then, you know, I think that's maybe where that, that could happen.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a catch twenty two, right? I, I get what mm-hmm. you're saying. Like parents that have played sport or were athletes, they know where there 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 are gaps, and mm-hmm. but maybe get too involved. But then mm-hmm. you have parents that never played sport who are yep. raising athletes that have no sweet clue
1: about off court uh, training, uh, or here, right? So, percent, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's it's, it's, it, it's it what it all boils down to is communication and education, and it's it's funny. It's some of the hardest stuff to do. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Um, So you're working with all these athletes and you've seen great athletes coming through Atlantic Canada, you know, Mm -hmm. when you were, you were playing sport. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think is one of the most common reasons for athletes kind of deciding not to chase their dream or keep moving forward uh, Mm -hmm.
1: in, in Atlantic Canada? So I I think it has a lot to do with population density and competition. Yeah, I think that I think that what happens is that I think in, in on a whole picture, if you look at what happens in Atlantic Canada is that we develop these great young little athletes that are moving just as well as athletes from any other area around the country. But then I think what happens when they get around the 12, 13 year old age, where you start to have like the genetic freaks being selected out. Yeah. And if there's not enough of them, then they don't get to compete against one another enough to create more resilience but when you go to these big population areas they have they have just more of those individuals so they can compete more so i think what happens is that when these kids get a little bit older and they're from atlantic canada and all of a sudden they go compete in ontario or bc and they just they're they're in awe they're like oh my gosh I, like what is this i they're not my age and you know they are it's just that these other children have had better competitors And they've been able to push themselves to different levels. And I think in Atlantic Canada, uh, you know, a lot of, even with your son, you know, you you moved him away a little bit to try to get him to get more competition. And I think that's one of the things that these children need to do. They need to kind of understand reality and and how competitive it really is. And they need to be exposed to it. And they need to understand that there's, 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 they're going to get better. They just need to have that competition.
0: So do you think a solution, I mean, obviously, we we are what we are here with uh, population-wise. Mm-hmm. Do you think more athletes should look at moving to the U.S. or Ontario or places and whatever sport it is? Or how can we keep people here?
1: Yeah, no, you know, uh, there's, well, there's two ways you can do it. You can fly the competitors in <laughs> or <laughs> you can move to them, you know, and yeah. I think – I think that this is just the, I, you know, it's, I love living in Atlantic Canada, but I think that if, if my son or daughter shows promise in, and being, and they really enjoy what they do and they really want to commit to it, then yeah, I'm going to be definitely looking to send them to population densities where they can get the competition they, they need to achieve the goals they want to do. You know, I, I think yeah. it's just managing reality.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I you're. I think you're bang on there, and that's kind of what we're doing. And now, but uh, yeah. unfortunately, for some parents, like as a, as a parent, you want to do as much as you can for a child. But some mm-hmm. of those options of moving away can be quite expensive, right? So and uh, stressful. Yes, yeah.
1: yeah, so you have yeah. to be very creative. I think, and uh, and that's yeah. a big part of it as well. Yeah. No, and and you see it a lot. And like, I have a couple athletes right now that are doing high school down in the states to play hockey, and you can see that. Like it's hard on the family unit, you know, it's, it's just, it's the reality of the situation. It's just, I think it's a, um, it's a commitment, right. And you got to go full in, I think with this stuff, if they really want to do it. Yeah. Let them be the driver, right. The, the, the children, not the parents. Right. A hundred percent. That's that. And the ones that have done well when they've, I've experienced so far is the children that were the drivers, not the parents. Yeah.
0: So on a lighter note, uh, if you weren't doing what you were doing now, is there a sport? I know you said you played tennis and you're doing lots of things now. Is there a sport that you think, heck, man, I wish when I was I could go back 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it is for you and say, why didn't I give this a try as an athlete?
1: Yeah, I think so. I didn't really pick up golf until I was 12. I wish I would have picked yeah. up golf when I was two. I I really enjoy the game of golf mainly because, you know, I can play it when I'm two or ninety two. And, you know, and, and one of the cool things about golf is that golf, you can, you can literally learn to play it year round and it's a very athletic move. A lot of people don't, you know, when you take a look at some of the best golfers in the world that are hitting the ball, 350, 380 yards, you need to be in extraordinary shape and you need to be very strong to achieve those things. And I just I just think the game of golf has so many different things you need to be good at. And it's always challenging. And I and I think that's why I like jujitsu as well, too. So I think either of those two sports, jujitsu or golf, I think I would have I would have liked to start that at a very young age and maybe pursued them more.
0: Yeah. So are you a dry for show or putt for dough
1: kind of player? I I like to think I'm a putt for dough kind of player. I like the (laughs) short game stuff. Yeah, Um, I think I think there's just it's a there's a lot more challenge in it sometimes, you know, and and really, when you look at golf, that's really where you want to get really good at is within 100 yards. So I really like just going up to the driving range and just doing a bunch of, you know, shots from 100 yards. And I, I just enjoy doing it. So yeah, yeah. Is, awesome so on
0: that note you, you touched on jiu-jitsu i know recently you've been working with an MM, mma athlete so can yeah maybe it'd be neat to hear like i'd always love hearing how other athletes train the intensity and yeah. i think that would be great for our audience to hear so what's that like working with uh, an mma athlete
1: so so yeah so the athlete we're talking about i've been working with him since he's been 19 he's 26 now um, yeah. um pr- professionally his record is 7 and 0 so when he is not when we are not eight eight weeks outside of camp we're usually working on the things that he needs to get better at so whether it's mobility strength power speed and or a conditioning thing that we need to work on we'll spend our time testing and then understanding where we need to spend our time with and then once we know we're essentially eight weeks out of his fight time um he knows what he's doing every day of the week from there on in and uh it becomes very intense because we'll start programming his conditioning, his strengthening, his power. And it's it's daily. And sometimes he has two to three different sessions a day. So sometimes he's he's training six to seven hours a day. So it becomes a, a full-time job for him. It becomes a full-time job for the coaches to make sure that he's managing his stressors well. And and every like two to three weeks, what he's doing is gonna change. To focus on something that's more and more and more closely related to the fight until within, you know, three weeks from the fight, he's spending most of his time working on putting all the things we worked on for five weeks into like this, this battle mode. And it, yeah. it's, a, it's an amazing experience to see him go through all of it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I always say to my guy is I like, dude, if you want to see someone who trains and who's committed and disciplined, watch the George St. Pierre show Mm -hmm. or watch Mm -hmm. uh, the Conor McGregor's, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's really those, the the MMA athletes are so obsessed and disciplined. It's amazing to watch. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it it takes a lot of a lot of out of them. Right. And and, you know, it's a different mindset for these guys because they're going in and they're they're letting everything go. You know, they're they're fighting to to not get knocked out. You know, it's it's uh, Mm -hmm. it's it's intense. That's all I got to say. It's just very intense when it comes to walking into the ring and, and watching this whole thing go down.
0: Well, I can tell. Uh, we talked about sports. We would have liked to have played. I definitely would not be in an MMA fighter. I'm a lover, not a fighter. That's ridiculous. yeah. No,
1: I don't think I can do it either. It's it's after seeing the. It, it, yeah, I I have full respect for it. I just think it's it's just you got to be that next level, and and yeah. not everyone is is ready for that.
0: Yeah. So to kind of wrap things up here, um, is there one tip that you think that we maybe haven't talked about or haven't covered that you could give to student athletes and their families uh, while navigating through uh, youth sports now? Like, is there anything that you would like to share?
1: Yeah, I think I think one of the things I like to share is the importance of having someone to help with mindset. I think I think having a coach that understands mindset is is and that's specifically their goal really helps with the parents and the athletes to understand how to achieve the goals they want to achieve. So whether it's a sports psychologist or a counselor, just someone that, that really understands the training, the training world and is able yeah. to like relate that to what they want to achieve. I, I can't, you know, I've learned and studied a little bit on mindset, but uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a world that I think athletes need to become more comfortable with.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. It's one of those things that I talked about on the site there a bit ago. It's just, it's a different mindset that athletes that want to get to that next level. I mean, we're, we're not all going to be or want to chase that dream, but the ones that do have to have a certain type of mindset. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, I think it's very important. And 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 when they're younger, they don't understand what that is. So having that mentor or that experienced parent or uh, or a coach or whatever it is needs to kind of try and hopefully instill those uh
1: those thoughts into them yeah and it's best coming from someone who who, who knows how to do that it's really yeah. interesting to listen to someone who's a mindset coach speak because you can see like every word coming out is is there for a reason and and it's it's yeah it's it's, it's great fun do you know any mindset coaches that you could recommend or have you in the area? There's a, a, her name is Ashley Dugay. She's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's someone, there's an individual in Fredericton and I think it's becoming more and more there's more people doing it. They're learning. Yeah. It's, it's new. It's like, it's a new profession, I think.
0: Well, listen, Matt, I appreciate the time. Um, is there anything you want to share about what's new going on at your place or the gym uh, with the audience?
1: No, you know, I think it, it's, it's I think one of the things is, is that we, we have a tendency to allow social media to allow it to happen. But if anyone in the area wants to ever come and check out what's going on in Four Fitness, you're more than welcome to come in and say hi. You know, it, it's a different training environment. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun in there.
0: Excellent. Well, once again, thank you for doing this, Matt. And uh, we'll be watching for For 4Fitness in the future online. Thank you very much. I appreciate
1: the opportunity. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye.
0: There you have it, my friends. If you have enjoyed this episode with Matt Forge and how great athletes train with him to gain an advantage over their competition, make sure you ask yourself, what can I do to improve my game, to improve my skill set, to improve my mindset, to get to that next level? I bet training with a strength coach like Matt Forge would help. You've got to continue to follow through. Simple steps lead to big results. Simple steps every single day will lead to big, powerful results. Connect with Matt on Instagram at 4FitnessAthletics or online at 4FitnessAthletics.com. Let him know what you thought about this episode. Very powerful stuff, guys. I hope you enjoyed it and make sure to share it with a friend. Oh yeah, one other thing. Thanks for listening to the Start Your Journey podcast. If you've made it this far, I'll take that you enjoyed the show. In return, I'd love if you would leave a rating and a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, or Anchor. Subscribe while you're there, and I'll catch you for the next episode. Oh yeah, and if you are listening on the Anchor app, click the message button and leave me a voice message. Thanks again, and I really appreciate your feedback and support.